the Why Watch That Talk. Well, earlier this week, we released part one of the October TV Fest. Well, here's part two for you, listeners. Why? Because we like you. Nope. <laughs> uh, now that the critic has fully acclimated back to normal life after his lengthy vacation, <laughs> we're going to put him back to work and we're going to start with something mm, mm. that I believe is interesting. I'm very interested to hear his take on ABC's new, yes, I'm saying it, it's a brand new show mm. called The Connors. Yeah. Technically, it's a Roseanne spinoff. You know all. You know what happened this summer when Roseanne just couldn't keep her, uh, mm-hmm. her her Twitter finger shut. Mm. Uh, instead, she's going calling people monkeys. Mm. But now the Connors are here. We're seeing life without Roseanne, literally without her. Yeah. Does it work? Is the question. Ooh, well, at the start of this inaugural episode of the Connors. It's been three weeks since the death of Roseanne. She's gone. Her entire family's still trying to figure out how to cope while still finding the humor and the tragedy along the way. But when the family finds out that what caused Roseanne's death wasn't a heart attack, Dan, the hubby, decides that payback is in order. Uh-oh. But the response to that payback isn't what he expected. Plus, of course, there are other things that the show explores, just like Roseanne did, from multiple points of view, as always. Now, as someone who watched enough episodes of the original Roseanne and the first two episodes of its return, I have to say that I'm intrigued by the Connors. Mm. Now, it's this isn't to say that they handled the death of Roseanne perfectly. Uh, there were many beats that didn't land, but there were some that did. And this cast without Roseanne still includes the great John Goodman and the great Laurie Metcalf. Yep. So then when it's a good joke, you know that they're going to nail it. And you know that they'll be able to navigate the changing dynamics in this family beautifully, right? Also, the major serious moment in the first episode of the spinoff was really well done. Hmm. They casted Mary Steenburgen as the woman who Dan blames for Roseanne's death because she gave Roseanne pain pills. And so we have two acting greats going toe to toe, right? So, okay. And look, it was, I have to say, it was astounding dramatic work hmm. for a sitcom. Like, I, the switch to that, it, I don't even know how they did it. Okay. So here's what I have to say overall. Execution-wise, this is still one of the best laugh track sitcoms on TV. So if you used to watch Roseanne, then you should continue to watch The Connors. But if you didn't watch Roseanne, this wouldn't be a bad place to start if you're interested. It's just uh, 10 episodes. ABC has the kids are all right. They're all right. (laughs) (laughs) And it's premiered. The question is, is it true? Mm. Are the kids really all right? Boy. I hope so. So uh, it's 1972 in California, just outside of LA. And the Clearys are an Irish Catholic family of 10. Yes, 10 people crammed into a house together. There's mom and dad and they're eight boys. Yes, eight boys. The youngest is an infant and the oldest is 20. 
Now, the oldest, Lawrence, is a seminarian. I mean, look, what kind of Irish Catholic family of this size wouldn't produce the priest, right? But Lawrence is affected by the times and has a change of heart. Oh. Now, keep in mind that all of this is told from the perspective of Timmy, who's one of the middle sons, and who's based on Tim Doyle, the creator of the show. Yes. Now, Tim Doyle actually narrates the events himself. Sound familiar? Now, Timmy has his own ambitions. He wants to be a performer. But does he have any talent? Plus, of course, each of the other sons has things that he wants to do or has to do. And the parents just hope that nobody gets killed. <laughs> now, this is another spawn of the Wonder Years. Yes. And it's a worthy successor. Even if this weren't well-written, which it is, based on the pilot, the ensemble's timing is impeccable. Plus, it just feels like this is a family, even though it's a distinct one, that existed in the 70s, but they're still relevant today. So that's one of the show's goals, and I think in the pilot they executed that wonderfully. And they also get the little things right. Each of the eight kids has a distinct personality and a circumstance, and there's always someone just off the camera who's eavesdropping. And that's what would happen if you got all these people in the house, right? It's like a house for four with 10 people in it. Mm. Plus the parents pick when they need to be concerned and forget about the rest. <laughs> and then you're contending with the 70s as a time period as well. So this show doesn't even have to be funny, which it is to be good. So I'll just say, I hope they keep it up because right now it's a pleasure. Yes, ABC, let's continue with it. The Rookie, we both got a chance to see the pilot mm. of The Rookie. <laughs> and uh, this isn't your typical rookie. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> we'll just say that. Uh, yeah, so, you know, here's what I thought after watching this ref, the, the pilot. This is the equivalent of The Good Doctor if it were a police procedural instead of a medical procedural. Interesting. So, so look, okay, go with me here. Like the good doctor, the rookie has an interesting central character and he's his name is John Nolan and he's played by a likable actor. In this case, it's Nathan Fillion. But of course, this show doesn't focus on him enough. Now, uh, Nolan's not autistic like Sean from the good doctor, but his age is the handicap. His watch commander at the LAPD, oh, by, boy. and he's played by the guy who told Jill Scott to get to walking. Yes, he did. Why I get married. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <forgot> that. <laughs> he said, uh, you can get to walking. I'll see you when you get there. So he thinks that Nolan's going to set a bad example for 40-somethings who are looking for an eat, pray, love moment. They're going to join the police force and get people killed. Essentially. He's trying to get rid of him. He sure is. Now, the captain, though, is like, uh, check yourself. Yes, she did. <laughs> but is that going to protect Nolan fully, right? And while Nolan wasn't inspired to become a cop as a result of his brother's death, as Sean was in The Good Doctor, right after Nolan became a divorced man, he did use his gift for Gab to help thwart a bank robbery. And that's the catalyst for his career change. Mm -hmm. Now, if we keep going back show to show, on the job, Nolan, just like Sean does, has to learn how to use his gifts in a way that won't put his partner and himself, in this case, in danger. Furthermore, he's not the only rookie. There are, other, there are two other newbies who are from his same graduating class at the police academy, and they're in the same division of the LAPD. And uh, each is in training with a senior officer. Plus, each has something going on personally that needs to be kept secret 
And the same goes for the training officers. Sound familiar? There we go. So what do you think, Ref, after seeing this? You know what? It's I saw the rookie a while back. So digging through, I remember that it's worth a watch. It's worth it's worth a watch. Now, the actor who plays Nolan was the lead actor in Castle. So when you alluded to the fact that he's likable, it is true. He truly is likable. Yes, he looks older than 40. I'm like, I know what 40 yeah. looks like. And he do not look like nobody's 40. I was yeah, like, this man is clearly 50. Yeah, okay. really. Y'all could have said 45. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> At least. But we'll go along with it. What I did enjoy was um, his partner. Mm. She is quite the actress. I, I don't know much about her, but I enjoyed their interaction. Whenever we focused on the character Nolan, that's really when it took off. You're really interested in how he's going to fare through this week, this day, his yes. first day even. And it's not all, he's not a Superman. He does not succeed all the way, all the time. And I found that to be lovely, you know, instead of making him sort of a 40-year-old Superman. <laughs> And there, that again, is just like the good doctor, right? So I agree with you. Look, the procedural stuff is decent, but it's Nolan, as you said, who truly matters. That's where the focus should be. Now, based on the pilot, I get the feeling they're going to focus on him just enough to bring a bit of spice to the genre, but they're not going to do it enough to make this show something special, and it could be. If it were on CBS... Mm. They would do that. But I yeah. feel like you have to, you know, they want to highlight these secondary characters. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, mm. moving on. Uh, Wonderlust on Netflix. Only six episodes. You can watch them all now. It's uh, Wonderlust. <laughs> I guess they had to figure out something with that marriage because uh, she's... She's going places we don't know if we want to go. Wow. Yeah. So. She being. <laughs> yes. It, it's Joy. Is she played by Tony Collette? Yes. Uh, so Joy and, Le- and Alan, they're a married couple living in Manchester, England, England. Mm. And they've been together for quite some time, like 20 years. Uh, Joy's a psychotherapist who's at the end of her recovery from being hit by a car while she was riding her bike. Yikes. Her injuries aren't terrible, though, but they do require rehab. And the accident's something that she thinks about from time to time. So it's on her mind, and it has some sort of effect on how she thinks and feels. Now, Alan is an English teacher who works with some rather interesting folks. I tell you. And this is quite the contrast with his marriage because he senses that Joy isn't that interested in him anymore. Also, they have children, but how many? One, two, three, more than three. The show reveals that over the first two episodes, so I won't say what the answer is. But regardless, their kid or kids each contend with romantic troubles of their own, which leads to some unexpected results. However, the major focus is on Joy and Alan. So after a failed attempt at lovemaking, both Joy and Alan independently, secretly and abruptly decide to cheat. Oh. But when they confide their infidelities to each other, the response isn't quite what they expected. I mean, look, maybe dating outside of their marriage is a good thing after all. Mm. And what happens if it is? How long can this good thing last? Also, how 
is this going to affect the people they're cheating with? Hmm. And what about Joy's clients as a psychotherapist, Alan's colleagues as a teacher, and their friends and children? Hmm. Now, this show has a complicated rhythm to execute. It moves along naturally until something awkward or abrupt happens. Uh, plus, there are moments of humor, but the humor is specific to this show. So it requires writing and acting that are in sync to pull everything off. And thankfully, that's the case here. Oh, yeah. The actors know how to be effortless when needed, and they know how to make stuttering and fumbling around look normal. I mean, they make it look much easier than it actually is to execute. Hmm. So while I'm not quite sure whether I actually like these people, I mean, they do grow on you. I'm not quite sure yet. I am sure that I want to see these actors go to work. But I will say this. I wish that the episodes, instead of being about an hour or about a half hour, mm. that, would, that would tighten it and it would take the show to the next level. But as it stands, I don't mind the meandering too much because these people know what they're doing and I really like the show. Well, let's go to the season premieres. These are, these are tried and true. Yeah. <laughs> Blind Spot is back for season four on NBC. Now remember, they're coming at you with like over 20 episodes. So you better get ready for this blind spot ride. Remember, this woman has been tatted all over. Yeah. And we have to figure out why. Well, you do. And then now you have a whole other set of situations. So where are we at with season four? Well, it's the aftermath of season three. It's continuing as Jane now doesn't remember the past two and a half years of her life. And this is a consequence of the drug she took to erase her memory at the start of the series. Hmm. But here's the thing. Her husband and the rest of her FBI team don't know this. They just know that she's in mortal danger and that they need to find some sort of cure which doesn't exist. Or does it? Ooh. After all, Jane's now deceased brother Roman left some clues. But can those clues be trusted? Also, can Jane be trusted? Because the reason she hasn't told anybody about her memory loss is that as a consequence of it, She's now realigned with the terrorist organization that's following Oh, we knew that was going to happen. Yeah. So she's finally become the organization's mole at the FBI. But is there anyone left at the organization to capitalize on that? Or will Jane have to go it alone? Mm. Mm. And of course, there are other developments that will keep everyone on their toes throughout the season. So once again... This show wastes no time getting to the conflict and the action. And once again, the premise requires viewers to suspend more than just disbelief. <laughs> However, since NBC switched the show to Friday's last season, all the ridiculousness and eye-rolling lines are much more tolerable. Even still, I have a feeling that this should be the final season. Mm. Uh, just how many things can happen to Jane that are obvious attempts to just keep the show going instead of natural extensions. This poor woman. Right, yeah. I mean, I just, I want them to be careful. You don't want to wear out your welcome. Mm. Well, talking about welcome, let's welcome back Blackish. Yeah. Where it's fifth season. Whoa. Whoa. Ladies and gentlemen, five, one, two, three, four, and fifth. <laughs> it is its fifth season, and we're back with the Blackish family. Dre, uh, you've got everybody coming back. But guess what? 
some folks think they grown now. And I'm not just talking about the obvious one that they talk about. We got the twins are growing up. Oh boy! And so, what do you do with that? So let what, what, let's just recap this first season because because <laughs> Grandma had to step in and say, "I, I don't like that." <laughs> well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she had a real big one in the yes. middle of this episode. <laughs> I mean, you better show them how to do it. That's what we talk about, Jennifer Lewis. Now, in the first episode of the fifth season, <laughs> it's time for Junior to go to college. Get on out. And now he chose Howard over at Harvard. Yeah. So the whole Johnson family goes to Howard in D.C. to drop him off. They visit some museums and they skedaddle back to L.A. But Junior quickly realizes that he may not be ready for college. So he decides to take a gap year. (laughs) What? (laughs) Now, big sis Zoe says, I tweeted that he would do this three days ago. (laughs) She's like, I'm a prophet. (laughs) (laughs) Grandma and grandpa always give their two cents. And the twins, like you said, they have their own worries, provoked by grandma, of course. Yes. About still sharing a bedroom. Mm. But mama and papa, Raybo and Dre, they ain't having none of it. Bo decides that she'll talk Junior all the way back to school. (laughs) And Dre's like, look, Dre goes to work, of course, to get advice. Why not? Jeez. From his boss, of all people. History lesson there. Yeah, who promises that he's going to drop some knowledge about gap years and race on Dre without bringing up slavery. Now, how do you think that goes? (laughs) So by the end of this episode, the question is, what's the right thing for Junior to do? And the answer may not be exactly what you'd expect. Ooh. Blackish is back, and I'm just excited to see what more craziness the Johnson family can come up with. Let's end. Well, before we do, let me just say this about Blackish. Because, you know, I was feeling some kind of way after last season. Yeah, they went through dramatics. And I, okay. They, it's like that didn't even happen. Yes. Watching this episode. So look, I think I'm glad they got that out of their systems. I'm feeling optimistic now seeing this because, you know, Kenya Barris, the creator, ain't there no more. Mm. And I think that from based on this episode, they're in good hands. So, you know, I'm proceeding with caution, but I think we're fine. Moving on and ending. Oh, my goodness. With the return of Daredevil on Netflix. Yes, season three is here. Now, some of y'all might think, well, no, this is season four. And it- no, he was in The Defenders. That's that we- In fact, if you if you watch any of these episodes, it just didn't count. Like The Defenders, <laughs> except for the last scene of The Defenders. Right. It, yeah. None of it counted. <laughs> they didn't even mention. They haven't even mentioned anyone. <laughs> but I'm only on this episode seven, so. Yeah. Daredevil uh, is back and he's got some problems, some issues. Uh, he ain't the only one. Yeah. <laughs> now look, this is an epic, so here we go. At the after the events of the aforementioned The Defenders, <laughs> Matt Murdock, aka Daredevil, has survived the collapse of a building right on his head. <laughs> well, we don't know. Yeah. But barely, right? However, as you were about to say, his companion Electra after being resurrected in The Defenders. Wasn't so lucky, or so, so he... So we think. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> exactly. Regardless of that, to recover, he's taken in by the very priest and nun who've guided him ever since his father was killed all those years ago. Yeah. But all he wants to do is disappear. He's finished with the responsibilities that God has thrust upon him. He lost his faith, oh Lord. Mm, now, keep in mind, this ain't your garden variety priest, and it's certainly not <laughs> your garden variety nun. No, no, no. So as they nurse Daredevil back to good health and strength, they also remind him of what he's capable of, sometimes in ways that uh, you might not call holy. No. <laughs> now, they remind him that his gifts need to be used for the good of humanity. Well, at least the nun does. The priest is kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just wrap it up, call it a day. Yeah, but who's Daredevil going to listen to? Will he listen at all? Also, his friends Foggy and Karen, they have no idea that he's alive. They've been paying his bills for months, hoping that he'll return. Foggy's kind of like, I'm done, he's dead. Karen is like, I don't know. It might be her reporter's intuition or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Now, we also have Wilson Fisk. Oh, it's his, it's his season, boy, I tell you. AKA Kingpin. Mm. He's still alive and he's imprisoned. Oh boy. But the love of his life is in danger of going to prison as well for helping him, which means that Fisk must become a snitch for the FBI to keep her safe. No, he didn't. And FBI agent Ray Nadim is the beneficiary of Fisk's information, while Fisk's life is now in jeopardy, so we think, yeah. as a result. Even still, Agent Nadim is counting on Fisk to deliver the goods. Otherwise, Nadim's gonna be stuck and continue to be stuck in a financial and professional rut. Mm. Plus there's another FBI agent named Benjamin Poindexter, or Dex for short, who has skills that Fisk appreciates. Now, Dex, and he's gonna be familiar to comic book fans, he ain't somebody to trifle with, okay? Mm. So him plus Fisk, that ain't gonna be good if it comes to it. Mm -hmm. In addition, don't forget that Fisk promised Daredevil that he would make sure that Daredevil's loved ones would suffer. Mm. And Fisk has a bunch of ways to put yes. all of them in tight spots that you may not see coming. So of course, we're gonna have another devastating confrontation between the two. The question is, are they gonna be in good condition for that? And at the end, who's gonna be left standing if either of them will be? Ooh. Now, I'm only at C or episode seven. Mm -hmm. So I don't know the fullness, but what I, I will either. say... I don't need around the same episodes. So. Okay. What I will say to these listeners... Yeah. Wade. Wade through episode one, which is good. Episode two. Episode three. Wait till you get to episode four. Oh. Five. Uh. Six. Mm. Jesus, help us all. I tell you what, that episode four, all I got to say is that is how you do it. So you remember Monte Monte Williams? This is how you do it. <laughs> That's exactly what <laughs> Daredevil. No, 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 Yes, all that. Daredevil staff just said to Iron Fist, Luke Cage, <laughs> Jessica Jones, anybody else, Runaways, this and that. This is how you do it. <laughs> And boy, those moves, I tell you what, whoever's doing the choreography, even the directing this year, the writing is still, eh, let's just get to why we watch Daredevil. Yeah. I will go on record and say this, and I'm clapping. <laughs> Daredevil is the best comic book TV show, mic drop, boom. Mm. 
out there. That is my opinion. I will stand by it. I'll fight you over it. Meaning just, you know, with words. <laughs> you gonna go daredevil on them. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you what, that's how you do it. That's why daredevil, as the building clears, as the dust clears, he will remain still standing. Wow. And what, uh, uh, <coughs> Fisk, <laughs> if you're gonna do, if you're gonna create a villain, that's how you do it this season. You watch listeners how a villain is born. And that will be episode five. Mm. Watch how that happens. I'm just super pleased. Super oh. pleased. You know, we are in complete agreement. Um, I'm a little more forgiving at the beginning, but not much more. Because uh, at the very beginning of the first episode, I felt the pace was sluggish from the beginning. But I know that's what happens in the show from time to time. So, you know, but this is what I thought, Raph. I was like, you better snap out of it quick. Get to snap fight. out of it. Get the, the clean your, clean, clean your uh, sinuses, boy. <laughs> Get up Get there. to that fight or something like it. And about halfway through, they did. So I was like, okay. Now, that doesn't mean that things speed up a whole bunch. No. But patience, Iago. <laughs> okay. Now, look. This show isn't perfect. We know that. But just as you said, it's the best comic book TV show in existence. Hands down. It's propelled by characters who wrestle with doubt, fear, anger, duty, justice. And it asks us to take it seriously. And for the most part, yeah, you respect it. And you res- yeah, uh-huh. Put some respect on Daredevil. You better. And especially, Ref, when the focus is on Daredevil, on the kingpin, yes. and by extension now, Dex. Ooh. A real piece of work, and the ref told you which episode to watch out for for that. Oh, huh. you better watch it. So, but you know, when the events are connected to them. Oh, now, even still, the writing and acting, they get the job done for the most part, and the aesthetic is still wonderfully dark, and the fight sequences. Come you know what, these fight it. sequences put say some it. movies to shame. Say it! Episode four. Oh, come on now. Watch it if you don't trust us. Watch. <laughs> so look. <laughs> Flaws and all, ref, it's worth a watch. It's worth a binge. Yes. I didn't realize how much I missed this show until I started watching it again. And I think this might be my favorite season yet. It's so far, I am with you. They've taken risks, listener. So if mm. you're a fan of episode, or excuse me, season one, yeah. season two this season takes risks mm. meaning they don't just give you information you discover information yes. episode five you discover it and i just have to say wow good job drew goddard and the uh daredevil team yes well that concludes our october tv fest you can catch all of these episodes currently. I would quickly go and, and catch up on that at their respective places, either on Hulu, streaming services, or even on demand if you have that. If not, you want to wait a while because guess what? They're going to keep coming at you week after week after week. Question <laughs> is, are you going to be ready? Uh-oh. Let's wait a while. <laughs> <laughs> 